what is the goal here? Is the goal for us to make money and get rich and get, you know, go buy islands or cryptos? Or is the goal for us to change how we move money around the world and how we access financial services? For me, it's the latter, right? So therefore, as I see the crypto world booming, I have an appreciation of what it brings and what it means when it comes to bypassing, you know, borders and financial status, race, everything. Hey, what's up, guys? How's it going? You're listening to the Grey Ave podcast, and this is me trying to sound calmer than usual. And let's see how far I can take this. Uh, and this is the second episode of 2020, and it's episode 151. And you will be able to tell by the way this podcast is edited that we're making changes to how we edit this podcast but i said this in the last episode anyway so i which i do recommend that you listen to it besides the editing stuff anyway so we're kicking off 2020 uh with our first guest as kamel cadet and kamel is actually the founder and ceo of mtech so we talk about a whole lot of different things uh, from banking blockchain and governance and the future of fintech in general. Carmel is a passionate advocate of blockchain and digital currency technology for modernization, financial inclusion, and economic development efforts. She is the founder and CEO of MTech, a fintech company helping central banks in emerging markets modernize their financial market infrastructure. In her 10-year career at IBM, Carmel led the global business development efforts for the digital currency segment in IBM blockchain. Through MTech, Kamel is on a mission to transform the financial market infrastructures with modern central bank platforms, digital currency systems, and artificial intelligence. This enables regulators to have modern tools to effectively manage digital currency payments solutions. Very important work. Uh, especially if you're in the African economy or something similar to that where our financial systems are broken and very inefficient. She's doing a lot of work. So there is a lot that goes with that. And I'm glad that I was talking to someone who is uh, working directly with the people in charge of all that infrastructure and regulations to understand uh, their uh, where they're coming from and also kind of to weigh in on my understanding or misunderstanding of some of these things and why they are the way they are. So this was a very good conversation for me. And on a side note, actually, she will be at Blockchain Africa Conference 2020. So if you are not going or if you will be there, you actually stand a chance of meeting her there in person. So you can also follow her on Twitter at Carmel Cadet. That's C-A-R-M-E-L-L-E-C-A-D-E-T. You can also follow me at Gray BTC. Gray with the E. Never get it wrong. Okay, guys, enjoy, and I wish you the best in 2020. So let's start this from you. Now, you're rich and famous. You go around the world and speak and at events. No? Not, not, not famous yet either, but I think this podcast is my big break, Gray. Like, this is it. Believe me, it is. 
<laughs> yeah, so but I mean, for, for, for those who, who do not know who you are and what you do, let's just start there before we get into the, the hard stuff. Yeah. Well, if I were to describe myself, I'm, I'm a passionate advocate um, for the use of blockchain when it comes to financial inclusion. Um, that's really that simple. Um, I know it might sound very newish, given the technology is newish, but that's who I am now and that's who I always was in the sense of I've been passionate about financial inclusion when it comes to fa access to financial services, period. Um, for the developing and small countries. Um, so blockchain is for me the new tool that after spending the past three years in it, I'm convinced that uh, can help us do that in a, in a drastic and systemic way. From an introductory perspective, I was originally born and raised in Haiti. Um, moved after a lot of political turmoil. Um, so my mom and I end up um, migrating to the U.S. as uh, um, asylum seekers, and then kind of put my head down, went to school, graduated high school, went to college, um, was fortunate enough. It was a big break when they say that, you know, you change your life and you can get access to a better life and stuff like this when you move to, to certain parts of the world. Um, that was our way of, of getting out of poverty. So went to school, um, got a job at IBM and got an internship at IBM and then ended up working full time. So my background is in enterprise IT. Um, I've managed the business from different perspectives, um, from a financial perspective, from a business development perspective, from a product development perspective. So kind of start with products from scratch and products that are being built for, um, for banks, for non-banks, for governments, for big enterprises, from security uh, systems to blockchain products. Um, and on blockchain, I did the financial services. I spent a lot of time looking at um, trade component um, with blockchain as well, which is very interesting, um, and food traceability. So that's my career background. And then, so after 10 years at IBM, uh, this decided to launch MTech and the very basic premise of MTech goes back to again what my foundation is for me. Um, when I took a look around the problem around financial inclusion, um, although we were seeing a lot of innovation happening on the retail side, on the banking side, there wasn't a lot of, for some reason, the cost of payment was not getting reduced. The friction was not getting reduced. All, was happen all that was happening, we were having some really nice apps um, covering the chaotic mess that is the global payment world and, um, and very nice online banking portals, if you want to call it that. Um, so from a user perspective, it felt like it was easy, but there was a reason why the cost wasn't going on, why it wasn't being cheaper to send money from and to Africa, for example. So saw the opportunity, um, knew a couple of people who were going in this. There was a, a couple of projects happening that were very interesting to me. So I jumped in and started MTech. Um, and the idea for us is to bring modern technology to central banks. Um, we are a fintech um, working with regulators and monetary authorities um, to modernize their system. Um, we, we are a big believer that blockchain, artificial intelligence, and data analytics um, are going to be uh, even bigger than what we think they are. And the central banks are just 
simply not ready for that transformation and for that new era of right. digital currency. Interesting. Um, so you have mentioned a few things there, uh, but you know, you looking at working with banks, you know, central banks, commercial banks, to try to change pretty much their back end. If you look at banking, right, people can blame the banks for lack of innovation or the financial institutions as a whole, the bigger ones. Yeah. The, the ends where there hasn't been any innovation are, like you said, it's on the retail side, right? There have been a lot of, there's always innovation in banking, however, for financial products, for big money. Yeah. Right. So, you know, on, on the institutional level, right? and a lot of new solutions on the institutional level, which clearly to me says that the banks aren't really interested in the small guy. There's nothing in it for them. You know, they, they would rather partake in big, big business. I mean, just look at how banks are branded or how bankers pretty much, they're not worried about a, a poor guy in, in Vietnam. You know, <laughs> they're worried about the, the guy with the $100 million hedge fund, right? So yeah. what's in it for the banks with what you're doing? Yeah, that, that's a good point. I, I'm, I, I talked about this a bit um, in one of the events that I did this year about us waiting, waiting for banks to solve the financial exclusion problem, right? The central banks and you know, authorities have been asking them, you know, we have a financial inclusion problem, guys. Like, you know, we need to provide accounts to more people. We, you to do this and 10 years later we still have about we went from 2 billion to 1.7 um a big chunk of that is because of mobile money not because the bank have actually the banks have done anything about it i think a lot of it is more on the, on the um telecommunication companies and the mnos but you're right it's but if you think about it it's it's not part of their business model so if you say mm -hmm. it's not part of their business model but then the system by law is designed to make us, to force us to keep money in the bank. What does mm -hmm. that say then? So if I'm not part of your business model, then why am I forced to work with you? Right. And that's a very good point. I think the legacy structure that forces people to either, either have a credit profile, you know, have a bank account that can be, you know, if you don't have a bank account, then there's certain services that you can get access to. That is true. I think, but I think, the structure of what we're witnessing here is that it's not working anymore, right? So I want to have, I want to engage central banks because from a regulatory perspective, so here's what happened, right? We, we, we started, you know, talking to fintechs about stable coins, about um, how do you apply blockchain and okay, we discovered a way that can be very cool. You can do real-time settlement and so on. But then the instrument from a regulatory perspective was not particularly clear. The technology was not particularly clear. So what is a stable coin? Is it a security? Is it an asset? Is it an investment? What is it? What's the difference between a stable coin and a Bitcoin, for example, were questions that we used to have to answer. Hmm. Um, so then you, and then you talk to the banks through it, you talk to the fintechs through it, and everybody turns around and say, mm, yeah, my regulators won't let me do that, so I can't do that. So there's a different shift happening now because the change is so structural, because blockchain and crypto cryptocurrencies are so structurally different, that it actually cannot take off the way you and I know that it could until the infrastructure also changes, right? So in a way, 
for me, going to work with central banking organizations is a way for us to be able to open that market, being able mm -hmm. to open that ecosystem eventually, because my bet is, it's a big bet, but my bet is a lot of them, once they understand, once they have a way to um, put a framework around it that is balanced um, in a sense of, okay, we want to make sure that we're not particularly introducing um, more risk in the market or we're not allowing products that don't care about data consumer data protection and consumer rights in the market but other than that can you provide clarity right in the market that says yes you guys can do this you guys can do a b and c but you can't do m and n so and we have to be able to have that conversation with uh, as our community as a community of innovators it is we cannot particularly stand on ground to say there should be no regulation when it comes to financial services, right? And I, I, I know you, you know, you share that opinion. As far as we're not saying no, no regulation. We're saying that we need a regulation that recognizes um, the opportunity, the technology, and that provides clarity on how people can innovate. And I just got some news here in, in our WhatsApp group that um, largest commercial bank in South Africa is closing uh -huh. all the uh, the crypto bank accounts for the exchanges here. So what? I know, right? What? So it's kind of bittersweet, but at the same time, it just makes me want to buy more Bitcoin. You know, the more they come with this kind of attitude, I'm like, fuck this, guys. You guys, you guys are missing the point. Right, you know. It, for me, it's, 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 it's confirmation more than anything, because when this, is, this becomes the attitude, it means, you know, people are just going to need banks less and less because there will be solutions being built to circumvent all these blockages, right? Yeah, that's, that's one thing that kind of fascinates me um, around regulators. And given that's the space I'm in, uh, having that type of conversation with regulators and trying to help them understand that the old tools are not going to work as as great as they think <laughs> that it will and that the old rules no longer apply mm. um, you know banning is the worst thing that you can do right now if you're trying to stop something something like cryptocurrency to enter the market it's the worst thing you can do um, yeah it seems like to me that my, i mean at the end of the day these guys work for they work for for the rich people, you know, but they just don't know it. So, <laughs> and you know, they're going against people who are kind of trying to to free themselves or individuals who are really trying to be themselves, like become individuals. So yeah. they all look at it in a very different perspective. And I don't really expect regulation to be fair on crypto anyway, because just because of that fact. I think that the, the, probably the biggest that's, point that's, there would be um, competition. I mean, with the banks. Yeah, I think there should be competition. If 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 we're talking yeah. about a free market structure or a free market system, yeah. why if shouldn't the consumer? If the consumer is the number one, per you know, client base that we're all serving here, it should be about competition. Right. I. And, and here is my, my take on it. I don't know if you have read, 
I'm, I'm quite a, I'm a scholar of George Soros a little bit. I hate him or love him. <laughs> I mean, he, yeah. I think he has, a, he has great philosophy, right? Yeah. He has this concept of um, reflexivity. I don't know if you ever looked into it. For the, for the listeners, no. I would recommend you read a book called The Archim of Finance by George Soros. It was written in the 70s. So he has this um, concept of re, uh, reflexivity where he argues that, well, you know, it's the difference between thinking and reality, right? Or ideas and reality. So there are problems that are very difficult to solve or markets are very biased. That's why we have bubbles. Bubbles exist because he argues that the participants themselves are part of the bias and then themselves have to be the observer of the problem, you know? So it's like we all create a market bias and then maybe we mm-hmm. can see a stock go up or go down. But at the same time, we expect ourselves to look from outside what's going on and be able to solve it. So it's like you're, you're the parasite trying to kill yourself kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so from that perspective, I think I wouldn't expect banks themselves to solve what's going on because they're the participant. Correct. So, you know, the, the participant is supposed to be the same as the observer or the thinker, you know? So it's like the bias is coming from the participant thinking, but then he also have to think about solving the problem that he is, of course, causing it. It's time to pivot and think about what is the role of a regulator and thinking about what the future sector should be. So around blockchain, I think there's an opportunity when it comes to better governance, that's one. Second, there's also the opportunity of going into the idea of real use cases that central banks can step up and think about different models. And I love talking about you know, this stuff in concrete um, examples, so I'll do that in a minute. But think right now of the shifting role of a regulator versus a commercial bank. The commercial banks, you're right, have had um, the say and the power to push things in ways that benefit them. Um, but when you turn around and you look at something like Libra coming and, and, and eyeing your market, especially if you're a central bank that has a large unbanked population, you, you have to take a step back, right? You, you kind of have to. You, you can't just say, well, bank A, B, and C, what do you guys want to do? It's, it's you know, Libra, made all this noise without having one bank as part of their association, which was a big statement, if you ask me, meaning that they bypassed the banks, but they landed on the steps of central banks for them to park reserves in order for them for their currency to be trusted. So there is a differentiation between a central bank and the commercial bank system. And when I think of central banks, and maybe this is kind of a reframing exercise, but if you are the bank of the government, for me, you're also the bank of the people, right? And if you are the bank of the people, what is your role in 2019 or in 2020 as we enter the second decade? You know, what is your role in the financial market 
that we know has is not working for the past 10 years and if you look at the next 10 years you can guarantee that your financial market will be very different than what it was before it is a serious time for you to kind of figure out what exactly do you want to do and what you want your role to be because there's a real possibility because of all the pain points you just talked about there's a real possibility that banks and central banks become totally irrelevant now right. do we want a world without a central bank that's I would, the whole I would point vote, here i would vote yes we we will we better off i mean i don't know what would come later after that maybe sound money but also i think the central bank is the largest contribute i mean the cent the central bank model is the largest contributor to the inequality that's going on in the world and now it's putting at, uh, putting us at all at risk of <laughs> some crisis ahead you know so yeah. but i don't know you work with this from as for me i only see the 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 regulators from when i'm when i'm watching on youtube mark zuckerberg uh, being questioned, <laughs> and a lot of these guys ask really, really stupid questions, right? <laughs> a lot of these guys, are, but but just like most people in 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 in, in, um, in politics, I don't expect yeah. them that smart anyway. But um, you they're, work with these guys. They're what? smart in different ways. <laughs> I, I, I I beg to differ. I need I to believe that. Most of them are lazy. You know, they they like power hungry individuals who can't build their own. Stuff things out outside of politics that's why they hop um one political party to the next because if they go out of outside of that you know there isn't much for them in the in the private space what i want to ask so maybe maybe i should have started with that what is the goal here right mm. is is the goal is the goal for us to make money and get rich and get you know go buy islands or cryptos um or is the goal for us to change how we move money around the world and how we access financial services? For me, it's the latter, right? So therefore, as I see the crypto world booming, I have an appreciation of what it brings and what it means when it comes to bypassing you know, borders and financial status, race, everything, right? It bypasses so many limitations um, that we have today so i appreciate that market the conversation with with regulators is in order for them to understand that this one this is going to it's coming because by nature of it you can't stop it second how can we create an environment in which this flourishes right and my bet my speculative bet is that central banks will evolve because they have to, just like they have when it comes to mobile money, just like they have um, when it comes to the internet, they will have to evolve and accept. How do they do that is where I hope that as a FinTech person, understanding that very booming and dynamic FinTech world, being able to translate and be that sauce that comes between regulation and innovation but what is so, the, what is their perception when you speak to these guys what is so the first thing that i get all the time the right. first thing i get all the time is i don't really understand this thing we don't know how it works mm. so you can't particularly regulate manage or give clarity to something that you don't understand 
I mean, why don't right? they why don't they understand it? Because, uh, is do you know of anyone who understands Bitcoin and blockchain and so on who's go, taking the time to go talk to regulators? No, no, no. I mean, if they are on that position, why don't they understand? So, if you are a financial regulator, why don't you understand mm -hmm. Bitcoin or blockchain? They they didn't see it as a financial instrument. They don't see it as at, a financial at first, instrument. It, 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 they, they didn't. Oh, so they didn't. If, if, but if, by the time they did, they say ban. <laughs> if so, if, so they, why would they ban it if they don't think it's a financial instrument? Why do they end up banning? Them? Well, that's what I'm saying. By the time they do realize that, their default reaction is just ban, just no, right? Sorry, how do you see the connection between this problem we're talking about and bureaucracy? Just, just the bureaucracy as a mindset. If you're a banker, you're you're more like an actor. I, I think the right. fear of irrelevance is going to trump it all. Okay. Because w w what is what is bureaucracy if you have no power right right if you are irrelevant and, and and i have this big question that i keep talking about on linkedin is i i think we're getting to a point where saying what is money if if me and you agree that my cheap headset here is a way to pay you for your microphone right who cares if we had if we had rams or us dollars who cares no one would care hmm. so the central banks depends on us recognizing and having faith in a sovereign currency and if they don't do something about what is going on right now they will totally become irrelevant which some people might want to get to i personally don't because i do believe in a world where you do need rules of the roads when it comes to um, what people do with money not everybody is as educated as we are not everybody's um care to to worry about terms and conditions and how, when you park your money somewhere, whether somebody's going to have to give it back to you okay. when you actually need it. I'm, I'm interested. You know? I'm interested when people say things like that. I'm, I'm like, so how do you think Benny Madoff happened? If, if, if you, because when you say that you're assuming that there are people who know and educate and understand all these things. Uh, it's how do it's you, because they were so educated that they got away with it. No, no, no. How, how do you but, think you know, that ben, 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 Benny Madoff happened uh, for almost 10 years with all of these people that we call experts or the economists, they understand money and everything. How could something like Benny Madoff happen right in front of their eyes then? Lobbyist. You think so? It, it, yeah, I, I mean, it's, it's not... No, no, the, the people really believe that he was a real investor. They were giving him money because... Oh, like, well, he yeah, I mean, so yeah, I mean that you get those those scams for you know every other day. I mean, you have very polished people who still get taken for scams, right? I mean, it depends on how elaborate you want to be with your scam. Um, um, I forgot. Oh, the laundromat is the new movie on, on Netflix right now. That's you know you have people who think they're putting money in, in the right places and buying insurance companies and don't have time to really go research whether the company is there or not. I mean, it, it takes time to do due diligence, put it that way, right? And the concept is that someone would like somebody to do that due diligence for them before they have to do it. And yeah. technically, in some parts, that, that's the role of a central bank, right? To make sure that the financial services and the financial solutions and the financial institutions that are in the financial market and providing services to consumers, to the citizens, that are protected, are regulated Look, or understood this is, this is a guy who was running um, an investment uh, firm right 
and yeah. he even and he was not in, investing the money in anything he was really depositing the money in, into his bank account his personal bank account right 65 billion dollars was traded like that without re real value and even the sec couldn't find anything around that until like it was to, until he had to hand himself over when the pyramid scheme uh, kind of collapsed yeah so but that, why do you think that is why do you think that is i mean as far as the way the laws are set up in the u.s first of all that's you know you have to listen at different markets favor you know private and businesses over um um consumers that's that's just the truth right so it depends this is why i i, I point to lobbyists um as as the the big way out because the laws that end up governing such transactions and such space, um, you end up writing the laws on what's legal and what's not legal. So the concept of you being able to do that for years and no one being able to subpoena or being able to get to a point to force you to provide documentation to see what you're doing, you get to hide. You get to hide in plain sight. Right. Right. So, so you could say it's a, so, but this is the thing the central bank of the u.s would never even see themselves as an entity that steps in something like this you know and this is why the conversation around the role of the central bank today is a very important one because for the next 10 years we just have to be able to understand what's going to be the regulatory space and for them to for it to be very different than what it has been it has to be it has to be, but um, it is a long road when it comes to working with regulators because of the um, structural um, making of those institutions. Um, by default, the institution is here to maintain stability and innovation has a way to counter that. Um, but I believe that now we have new tools that can enable us to say, you know what, we can actually let innovation happen. And even if it doesn't behave exactly how we wish it behaved, um, let the market, let the market decide what some solutions would be. Let people decide what some solutions would be and not particularly stifle it. That's the balance. The, the, the point I was trying to make there was that, you know, the, the central banks, I mean, the central bank system is set up in a way to make us believe that it's robust and, you know, really solid and it's real. But then, you know, it has a lot of flaws that, that are just like, you know, you just have yes. to look at a few reference, reference points and be like, this is almost a joke almost, right? From yeah. the money supply point of view, uh, look at what happened to Venezuela and Zimbabwe, right? It's a, it's a group of people can actually override the entire system and print as much cash as they can and then uh, run inflation down the drain. Mm -hmm. Or you mm -hmm. can have the, the Benny Meadows of the world and they're just like a lot of big scams that are happening. And all those things too. I mean, let's talk about money laundering to begin with or dirty money that goes around the world. It still goes through the financial system, mm -hmm. right? So to mm -hmm. me, cryptocurrencies solves not one, not, not the, the, the remittance problem only. I think that's just almost the, the side effect of it. I think the main issue is the core system of money supply 
and kind of the uh, security and the maintenance of it or the, the transparency of the, yes. you know, the transparency and the management of the system. It's more about that to me than just being able to send money easier, right? But we all know that the banks don't want to do that. I mean, why does PayPal exist when the banks could have easily just created it out of, out of thin air if they wanted to? Because they, that's not, they're not trying to serve the man on the street the anymore. The mass, yeah, the mass, that's right. I mean, it's a different model, and, and I think that will continue. But you're absolutely right. This is where we go from crypto to blockchain, right, particularly. Right. Because at this point, this is a governance play that is absolutely massive, right? This is a big transformation moment for central banks, um, and they have recognized that. I know central bank digital currency get a lot of play um, when it comes to the news and the buzzwords, but embedded governance, embedded governance when it comes to transparency when it comes to data access when it comes to um, one source of truth when it comes to uh, transparency and quick reconciliation re fraud reduction those things so if you could go down the list of the problems that you have today which makes it very difficult to trust your central bank to trust your banking system which makes it less competitive um, for for end users because at the end of the day it has to Everyone is in this to provide better solutions for citizens, right? That's, that's the impact that we all want to have as far as either whether you want to have investment or you want to have a safe way of saving your money and you want to have mobile solutions and quick money to quick ways to send money back home, whatever it is. Um, the central bank essentially thinks about their citizens at the end of the day. So how do they get there? Um, better governance and better trust. So from, you know, talking about trust, one specific use case that has been talked about for a long time across the continent is regional trade. Maybe you can tell me why you think a regional currency like the euro is or is not possible in Africa. Um, because everyone that talks about it, even um, Helen Zilla, talked about this, that would be a massive transformation for the region to be able to do a, a, a one regional currency. And doing it on blockchain for me in 2020, if you're thinking about doing anything like that, there's no way you, you, you can afford to not do it on a blockchain. That, that's just my, my view. Why do you think that hasn't happened? I have my perspective, but I'd love to hear yours. I think it's more political than anything, right? It's number one, I think the people in power in Africa are very old to even bother to understand these things. Uh, two is that you have, you know, a lot of people are just weak, man. Like, there's something <laughs> I was telling you about. A lot of African leaders, they don't have teeth. You know, they're, and from the continent that was divided by colon, uh, colonists. You know, people are still divided based on those things. You know, the, the languages and who, who is who is who's master. If you're in West Africa, looking at the French. If you're in more the East, look at uh, what the British government does. And you're looking at the North, they have their own masters there. So I mm -hmm. think it's more the, the master's interest. I agree with you. But I, I, for me, if I were to summarize what you said, is just leaders don't trust each other, economies don't trust each other or something, they're bigger than others and don't want to, you know, help or support or assist or integrate. And you have all those different cultural and political dynamics that make it very, um, very difficult. But 
blockchain from a technology perspective is ideal. And what I say to regulators is, you know, if you tell me that you can solve, so let's move the conversation from, I don't know what blockchain is, let's talk about what blockchain is, let's make it real, let's get into pilots, let's get into design thinking, um, let's talk about the pain points, and then let's draw what we call an as-is versus a to-be scenario, right? Kind of let's get our hands dirty because we can't just be at that level and say, we don't understand it, therefore just ban. That's not going to solve the problem the way you think it is. Um, so let's, let's not waste time. Um, idea of a regulatory sandbox, I think is very, very important. Um, I think Nigeria has introduced the concept, I think, um, of Africa as well. Um, how do we automate that? How do we make that um, for a regional level? Bringing more integration. So when you are a FinTech and you want, um, you want approval for your new solution to go into a particular market, do you have to do it one country at a time or can you do it at the regional level, right? I think that would bring so much great integration and harmonization across the region. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, I think you have a lot of work in your hands, eh? Because to get those guys to work, it's just a, it's like pulling teeth. So good luck. <laughs> I'm glad that there, there are people like you who are willing, who are patient enough, you know, to go into that space and, you know, yeah. take your time but, and help them understand. But this is, this will be systemic, you know? Awesome, Carmel. Thank you for your time. This was fun. We can probably do it again on the next one. Uh, <laughs> after I get All some right, feedback awesome. on this. on this. Oh, actually, the next one, we can do it in real, in real time, in real life in, uh, in South Africa. Yeah. Actually, maybe I'll have, uh, I'll have a bit of update for you on what we're doing. Sounds good. <laughs> Sounds good. All right. Hello once again, and that was the end of our conversation. And just before you go, just want to communicate a few things with you uh, quickly if you have uh, enjoyed any of the podcast or this specific podcast episode I would appreciate it if you share it with your friends and family through your social media Twitter Facebook etc etc as well as write me a five-star review on iTunes or Apple podcast app that would be fantastic it helps me flourish and sustain this podcast as well now uh, we also on other platforms like soundcloud uh, stitcher radio um and all other major podcast platforms so whichever way you're listening to it i would appreciate it if you leave me a review you can also subscribe to the Graph podcast through my website graybc.com g-r-e-y-j-a-b-e-s-i.com there you also find some of the blogs that i'm writing sometimes and you get notified as soon as the new episode has been published until next time enjoy and be productive thank you